Thank you to the worship team. Just want to thank you guys for your servant heart week after week in facilitating worship for us. Thank you so much. Auntie Natasha, would you please come up? So Natasha is going to be preaching for us tonight as we continue in our work through the, the book of James. You're more than welcome to give her a hand and the worship team a hand coming and going. And if we could just please stretch out our hands so I can pray for Auntie Natasha. So I say Auntie Natasha because I've known her since I was about that tall, so it's very hard to say something else. Father, we thank you so much for the service, Lord, and we thank you so much for the opportunity to hear more from you and your word, Lord. And we pray for Auntie Natasha as she preaches tonight, Lord, that your wisdom will come through her mouth, Father, into our ears and into our hearts, and that we may go out into the world and live what we've learned today. Pray this all in your name, Father. Amen. Well, good evening. It's always good to be here with you guys. So, um, don't you just want to kind of grab somebody next to you and just say hello, give them a nice Hatfield hug. Come on, you're far too stiff for me. So, come on, give, give them a nice hug. Remember, I like a responsive audience. So, uh, don't sit there and just look at me like this. If I say something that hits you, then let me know so that I know where you are at. It always helps um, to know exactly where the audience are at. Well, it was actually fantastic for me, all the prophetic words that came out tonight, even the scripture that was read, was basically my sermon. Um, even Reggie singing about uh, Paul and Silas, you know, I mean, that's fantastic. And you'll understand um, as, I, as I just start preaching so we've been, in, um, we've been in James, the book of James. How many of you have been listening to the whole series of James? And how many of you have enjoyed the series of James? Come on, show me. Yeah, I loved James. It is fantastic. It is, James is such an incredibly um, practical pastor. And, and everything that he does is quite convicting, isn't it? It's, it really hits home. So I, I'm preaching tonight on James 2 from verse 14 onwards. But for me really to preach on James 2, I have to recap a little bit of James 1 to you. Um, so that it, because you've got to read James 2 through the glasses of, of James 1. So if you would bear with me just recapping a little bit and just highlighting a few things um, of James 1. And I actually want to start lower in James 1 in around verse 18. Verse 18 of James 1 says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Do you realize that God created you in truth, by a word of truth, to be his truth in this world? You are reflecting his truth. That's what James is saying here in this world. So just Keep that a little bit. We are a representation of who he is. Chapter 21, or verse 21, chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent 
and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So for us to understand that a little bit, we've got to go back to Jeremiah 31, where, it's, where, where James is, and most of the guys in the New Testament, you know, went back into the Old Testament because that was their Bible. That that's the law that they held on. They never had the New Testament. You realize that now? That they never had the New Testament. James didn't read Paul. He didn't read Ephesians. He only had the Old, the Old Testament. So he went back into Jeremiah 31 and it says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And then he says, accept the word planted in you which can save you. He is speaking of a continuous accepting of the word as a transformation of, his, of our lives. He's speaking of the engrafted word in us. He talks about implanted or engrafted and Louis has, has preached on that. Now that engrafted word is a living word inside of us. He's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about, because we kind of, we don't necessarily know exactly what the audience is or who the audience is that he's talking to, but it's most probably Christians. There might be some non-Christians there, but we don't necessarily know. We know it is the Jews of the, um, uh, you know, that were scattered all over the place and, um, and it, they were most probably all of them Christians. So he's talking to an audience of Christians and he's saying that there is an engrafted word that was promised in the Old Testament through, the, through um, Jeremiah was promised for you. And that's that word that you have inside of you. So we've covered that part and, and we, we get that, that it is the word inside of us that as we respond to that word, that changes our lives. But how does that really happen? And, and we go on a little bit further. In verse 22, he says, um, basically, we need to be doers of the word and not listeners of the word. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, the whole illustration, and James is quite practical here, is um, what he's using here as a mirror, and I brought a mirror with. Um, it's about your response to the mirror. So, when I look at the mirror, and, you know, it's like I say, I've got a Christian mirror in my, in, in where I get dressed, 
Because my Christian mirror always makes me look good. I always look fabulous in my Christian mirror. But then when I walk out of my house and I go into a shopping mall or I come to church and I look in the bathrooms here, then somehow something went wrong. I don't know. It wasn't even an hour. But my hair's a mess. My makeup's not working. Now, you know, what is it? So I'm, I, I love staying in my house looking at my Christian mirror because they are feel fantastic. But when I walk out into a... But what is it? We, you know, what James is basically saying is when you look in the mirror and you see your hair's undone and your makeup is undone or you don't look very good, what do you do? You don't look at it and just walk away from it, do you? No, you fix it. Oh, you know, do something. You fix it. Am I right? So our, what he's talking about here being doers of the word and me, not merely just hearers of the word, he says it's like that. If you hear the word and it, and it speaks to you, you need to do what the word says. It is our response to the word that makes the difference. Like our response to the mirror that makes a difference for us. We need to be doers of the word, not merely just listeners. For instance, let me give a, a better example for you or a different example for you. So if I say in my house, I say, Louis, the garbage bin is full. And Louis' response is, um, thank you for that statement or fact that you made. That was a fantastic, that was a real obvious, indicative, declarative statement of fact. And I'm happy now to know that fact. How many of you knows that that's not going to, that's just going to fly in my house? Why am I saying the garbage is full? I am saying the garbage is full. You have to do something about it. You see, and this is how we come to the Word. The Word is not a passive book. It is an active book. So when we read the Word, it demands a response. The Word demands a response. The Word is not merely just a statement of fact. It's not just telling you that God loves you. It is demanding a response of worship because he loves me. I respond to that love. I don't just listen to it. I respond to it. I glorify him. I worship him. I thank him for that. The word demands a response. We need to read the word and do it and allow it to reprogram our minds. As we respond to the word, that engrafted word that is inside of us, it reprograms our minds. It renews our minds. The word demands a response. Then we go further into James 2, 
where I want to go now. Um, in verse 14. What good is it? James is now basically, go. we went from the engrafted word to being doers of the word. And now he's saying, faith without deeds is useless. Now he's talking about faith. What good is it, my brothers and, sis- my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can't such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You you believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudders. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did? When he offered his son Isaac on the altar, you see that his faith and his action were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abram believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. His faith and his action were working together. I want to explain to you something that I've alluded to before when I was preaching here, and it is the concept of dialogical. Now, this might sound like a uh, a different word to you, something that you've never heard before. But I, it's really worthwhile to understand this word because it talks about attention that there is in Scripture and attention that there is in our lives that is really helpful if you understand it. Dialogical talks about a dialogue that there is between my thinking, my faith, my belief system, my theology, my doctrine, and my actions. It looks something like this. When I take my two hands and I lock them in and I pull at the ends, on the one side is my doctrine, is is my belief system, is my faith. Is it God is good? I believe it. That's what the word says. On the other side is my response to that belief. And those two things are in tension. They are in dialogue with one another. So let me explain it this way. So if I go through a difficult time, say I've maybe lost my job, and that 
situation. Now we know that Paul, oh, that James was talking about, you know, temptation in James 1. He was saying when you go through trials and temptations, then that knocks on your door. And it depends on the engrafted word inside of you, how you are going to respond to that temptation. But it is your responsibility how you're going to respond to that. How are you going to respond to that? So if something like that happens, and I believe that God is good. He's my provider. He's going to look after me. And he, he loves me. Now this terrible thing happened to me. Now the dialogue starts. Because I know this. I know this in my head. But now I need to respond to this action that this external thing that has happened to me. And as I, I respond to that, the dialogue starts, the tension starts. So maybe I, I, I completely reacted when they, when they retrenched me. Maybe I completely lost it. And I just, you know, got so angry and I, and I just, I actually just wanted to go and buy a shotgun and shoot a few people. Hey? So maybe you whose who's reaction is, oh, thank you. That's so kind of you to do this to me and my love. Nobody does this. Nobody does this. You react. You immediately, mm, oh, mm. you go through all the stages of grief, denial, anger. Guilt that I not do my work. I shouldn't have taken those many breaks. You go through all this. But now what? So maybe I lost it. But I can always respond again. You can always respond again. Maybe I go back and I say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did that once when one of my children had to go for the fifth time for their driver's license. So the fifth time I went with. And um, when they filed him again, I lost it. I lost it. I just came from a situation where um, I was working in an informal settlement and I was looking at the ladies, I was doing a discovery group and I was looking the ladies in their eyes and I was like thinking, how are they ever going to get out of this situation? You know, really having compassion for them. And, and I was just thinking, you know, the, of the poverty in our country. And I was just, I had that. And as I walked into um, the place where we did the testing for the driver's license, um, I was, I, I, I just completely lost it. And the guy said to me these words, don't worry, they need to come about eight times. What? I completely lost it because I was thinking, how does a kid in a township do it? Because it was costing us 4,000 rand by then already. And I, I, I just drove out there, took my child, and I just drove out. You know, we'll buy it on the internet. <laughs> But I had the engrafted word in my life, and it didn't leave me alone. And man, that night, I just couldn't sleep, and a whole bunch of other things happened. The next morning, I got in the car, I went back to the guy, 
And I said to him, I was here yesterday, do you remember me? He says, yes, I do. I said, I, I, I completely lost it. It felt to me like an unfair situation, but I want to say to you, I'm sorry. You're a human being and I shouldn't have treated you that way. And he was obviously awestruck because I don't know how many people does that, especially in that vicinity. And, um, and he was just, and he said, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And as I drove out there, I felt something lift. And I knew something about this dialogical process of the word and my response to the word, even if it wasn't that wonderful in the beginning, but the second time I went and I, I did the right thing. You know what happened? I grew. I grew. And maybe this is what James is talking about when he says, mature, complete, lacking in nothing. Maybe he's talking about that as we, as we respond to the engrafted word inside of us, maybe if we allow that tension and we, we act on what we believe, we grow and we mature a little bit more and we become a little bit more like Jesus See, the one, your belief system cannot work without your actions. The one depends on the other. The one implies the other. Let me go a little bit deeper. Verse 24. Now, James starts going, now he spoke about my faith, now he's going into justification. You see, verse 24, um, chapter 2, verse 24, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off into a different direction. As the body without the, the spirit is, de is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Now he's talking about justification by works. But I thought justification is, by, is through faith by grace and by grace alone. Because isn't that what Paul is talking about all over the place, especially in Romans? He's talking about justification by faith. And now, now James is talking about justification by words. Now what is going on? Is, is there a confusion here? You see, it is exactly this tension that there is. They are not in conflict with one another. 
Paul is talking about that justification that we receive when we receive Jesus in our hands, in our hearts. I've, give, I've, 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 I've asked him, I did the sinner's prayer, I asked him to come and live in my life, and I am justified. But what James is saying, but if that is true, then that will show in your deeds. But wait a minute. They're not saying. They're not talking about faith plus works is justification. It's not what they're saying here. What they are saying is faith will reflect works. Faith will point to works. That's what they're talking about here. You see, the word demands a response. The word is actionable. And we got to understand that because we live in a country that's between 73 or 82% Christian. And we live in a country that has huge issues. And the church is not responding in the right way. On Sunday I was, I do this sometimes, you know those channels that nobody listens to on TV? I listen to them. So I was looking at this, this one church and just this, you know, they were just talking and uh, giving testimonies and it was fantastic, but it was all about the red miracle oil. It's now the red miracle oil. You have to buy it. We can sell. We can make lots of money as a church. You just, you just have red miracle oil and whatever you do, you apply. It's nothing about Jesus. It's about the red miracle oil. We have churches that, you know, because pastors had to become clever. They had to start speaking motivationally. We had to start speaking, motivational speaking. We live in a country with so many Christians. It needs to look different. The word demands a response. The word inside of you needs to respond to the situation on our earth around global warming. We need to have a response. We can't just sit back and say it's somebody else's problem. The word inside of you needs to have a response in our, politi in our political um, um, convictions in our country. How we react towards things. The word demands a response. We can't just fold our arms. You see what James was talking about here. He says these Christians, they are coming every Sunday and they are listening to wonderful, um, how, they, how they are preaching to them, how James was preaching to them. But then they go out and they just carry on and that word never, they never responded to the word and they just became, they, they as worse off as they came in as when, and they, when they went out. See, it's the word inside of us that is changing us. 
But it's not a passive process. I need to respond to it. And as I respond to it, that dialogue happens. And I change. Or I bring change. Because the word demands a response. Verse 26, and I end with this. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues and deceives tongues deceives themselves and their religion is worthless. So he talks about how you talk. And then he goes over into religious, religion that God our Father accepts a pure and faultless, uh, and pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans, widows, and their distress, and to keep oneself from being um, pulled by the world. So he's basically saying that it is your responsibility. He's saying, don't just pray for people. So we can do it, eh? We can talk Christianese. He says, don't just pray for people. Don't just speak out a blessing over their lives. That's what he spoke about earlier. Says our responsibility is to allow the word to become sincere inside, inside of us, and our response needs to be sincere, as we heard that scripture in Acts 10. Isn't that perfect? When he talks about widows and orphans, he's, he's not just talking about widows and orphans. He's talking about the marginalized, the poor, the spiritually poor. He's talking about a whole group of people. But he's basically saying our responsibility is to act on what we believe. We cannot just hear the word. Christianity is all about salvation reflecting in my actions. So I wonder if you want to close your eyes. Just for a moment. I wonder what situation you face. Maybe you are in a difficult position. The Lord says if you are in a, James talks about it, that if you are in a difficult position, you need to ask wisdom. Allow the word to respond. But then he says these words that if you ask wisdom and he gives you wisdom, you need to do what he says you must do. You need to respond to the word. He says if you do not respond to the wisdom that God gave you, you will be double-minded. That word double-minded means double-souled. It's a fantastic Greek word. Your soul is your body, your, your mind, your intellect, your emotions. It says if you are double-minded, if you do not do what God is saying to you, you should do. You become double-souled. You have spiritual schizophrenia.
I wonder what is your situation right now. Don't you want to ask God? Lord, give me wisdom. What is your engrafted word saying to me right now? Allow him to speak to you. Just take a moment. I know God is in this place. The prophetic was so incredibly on par with what I was going to preach. So I know God has got an appointment with you today. What is the word that is inside of you that he's talking about to you now, now, right now? Don't you want to ask him, Lord, tell me. Give me the first step. Tell me how to respond to this situation. Maybe you're in a difficult work situation. Lord, tell me how should I respond so that I not just bring the kingdom of God into the situation, but that I will be able to grow so that I can become mature, complete, not lacking anything. I just want to end in prayer. If you feel God is just speaking to you, just just raise your hands just as an acknowledgement. Father, I want to come right now in Jesus' name. And I want to pray, Lord, for whatever challenge we face, you say we must count it joy. We count it joy because we grow through it. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that we will be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. And for every single person that is right here tonight, for any person that needs healing, that got a bad diagnosis, how will we respond to that? For anybody that is in a between a rock and a hard place. How will we respond to that? Come Holy Spirit, right now. Will you speak to us? Will you set us free? Will you open our eyes so that we can see? I pray for strategy for every single person that needs that. I pray for wisdom for every single person that needs that. I pray for discernment for every single person that needs discernment here. I pray for healing for every single person that is sick. I pray for provision 
for every needy person. You are a miracle working God. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us and show us how we should respond to the needs that we have. In Jesus' name. Amen. When James was saying, we are the truth, we are his truth in this world today. I want to say to you, look me in the eyes, you are God's truth. The word of God demands a response. Will you respond to it? Amen.